I'm Karen Wright. It is 938. Joining us now, our good friend, Master Gardener Barb Lampson for Gardening with Barb and Karen. Good morning, Barb. What is the good news for the day? Oh, Karen, I tell you, I'm just bubbling over with with autumn. I, this beautiful. is my favorite time of the year. Yeah. And I think the good news is that Mother Nature is busy with her paintbrush and the leaves that once were green, uh, she's changing them over to yellow and then some of them are golden and they're going from golden to orange and they're going from orange to fire engine red and my favorite color which is mahogany oh. have you seen those oh, yes those mahogany and here's my question maybe you can answer this I have been studying trees and David and I have been out in the country looking at trees what is it that dictates where which branch of the tree is going to start turning first it I that's look- a good question because in our neighborhood we there's somebody that has this maple tree and it just puzzles me to no end because one branch will be red then another branch on it's yellow yes. another branch is orange and there's some that i like are just red or just orange but there's some and i don't know the answer to that because it, it's just amazing it, i just think they must have some kind of little artist in them yeah either that or um Somehow they have been influenced by something else throughout right. the season. And I know that this is, we get the color when the chlorophyll leaves the, the leaf. And that's, that's what causes this to happen. Because the real color is what you see when it's fall. Yes. The chlorophyll is what we see when they're producing the photosynthesis, photosynthesis in the mm-hmm. summer that keeps them growing. And, and yes. So a lot of people think, well, what's the color of a leaf? Green. Yeah. Well, so maybe it's, not. <laughs> it's a great thing to celebrate. And also, you know, we, we have all this ag in our area, and we want to always celebrate our farmers. They're, they're great uh, uh, at stewards of the soil. And when we were traveling about, I noticed that there were soybean fields that almost looked like fields of wheat. They were that wonderful golden yellow brown color. Oh yes. And, and and it was evenly dispersed there. And then I noticed other fields where it was just like sticks sticking up where the leaves were totally done. Brown, yeah. And then there were other fields where they've been harvested. So well, you know, I remember being a farmer, you buy different crops that, that have different lengths of, of maturing and so sometimes you plant the early maturing corn and my dad would plant the late maturing corn because he knew it wouldn't get ripe in the ears but he would then chop that for silage so i suppose same thing with the beans you you got to kind of count on the weather well if it's going to be a a a bad year and we're not going to be able to get out in the fields we better plant it early get it done and sometimes farmer is a big gamble so that's part of it i think but you know what's so amazing about the plant versus a tree it seems to be going uh maturing at the same rate, you know, you have acres and acres and right. acres, and you look out and you see a van, just the same color. I mean, it's, uh, so uh, that's that's kind of amazing. I want to tell you that uh, if you haven't been out, try and get out, whether you go on a walking trail and walk or, or bicycle or go in your car. It is just it's just astounding right now. And I have seen some pictures from up north by Lutzen, and, and it's just so beautiful, the colors. And, of course, that's where it starts. And, right. Because and, it's cooler up there. So 
just enjoy it while it's here, though, because it's not going to be here long. And yes. Do you ever go along Monks Avenue? There's that whole line of ash trees along by the big yes. dome. Yes. And right now, they're all yellow and beautiful, but they will drop quickly, and yes. they will be the first to drop, I notice. Yeah, they're, they're the first to drop their leaves, and they're the last to get them in the spring. And then, of course, we have... Um, we have insect problems with the ash besides. Yes. So so not a good choice to plant. Well, you know, we were out on the lake and we were uh, went out to Lake Jefferson just to see the the shoreline from the boat and we, we brought a, our fishing rods with and did a little fishing. And I haven't fished at all this year. The last time I was fishing was in the Gulf of Alaska last year. Oh my goodness. And there, you know, you need a, a net and somebody man's the net and you keep real 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 in uh, for the fish and you get them up and it's really great so the first time i got a bite i got a hit on lake jefferson i thought oh my gosh get the fishing net get the net so i am catch i'm on the back of the boat and david's up towards the front and i said to him i said david david get the net this is this fish is just a big one yeah he's struggling and he's struggling and he's struggling and dave keeps sitting there (laughs) and he's just fishing away i get him up to the side of the boat and guess what here's a tire no, it was the smallest crappie I've ever seen. <laughs> he was not give. I mean, to me, who hadn't been fishing, it felt like I was really, you know, he was really struggling. He was a fighter then. He, he was, but he certainly wasn't. So Dave took him off the hook and put him back in the water for me. And I thought, wow, how times change when you don't do something yeah, regularly, for, you know. <laughs> you thought so, you had the big wonker. Yes, oh. but the fishing was good out there, and the lake was beautiful. At 7 o'clock, the sun is coming down, and it was bright orange. because Well, because of the fires, yeah, yes, all that smoke. Yeah, exactly. That's worthwhile seeing, too. Yes. So we we live in a beautiful area, and, and also that was confirmed. We had a visitor in the neighborhood from California, and he said... Oh, Minnesota is so beautiful. You're so lucky to live here. And I thought, but they don't want to live here when it's cold. That's the only part. Yes, <laughs> yes. But it is beautiful right now. It is. So, so get out there. It won't last forever. But that really is the good news. And you know, we've had a lot of questions about Japanese beetles, and there it's sort of an unknown thing uh, what the different stages of development are and what they do at each stage and and i'd helped a neighbor plant some grass and worked up the soil and it was really nice and and uh uh put in some fertilizer and watered and the grass came up and it was beautiful and then i heard that people were having problems because because your turf turns all brown if you have the grub under there from the Japanese beetle. Yes, right. Yes, and so I wondered, is this going to be destroyed? And I'd asked our extension agent Shane, and he said, "Well, I'm not sure, but I'll research it." And um, well, this is good because now, while people may forget about the Japanese beetle because they're no longer in our gardens, they are there probably underground as the grubs. Yes. And so is, let's hear this. I've looked Okay, here. he says, well, after doing a bit of digging, it seems Japanese beetles like to lay their eggs in well-watered, oh. es- established, here's the cue, established parts of lawn. If folks cut the grass below three inches and water heavily in mid to late summer, these areas are at higher risk for showing bad grub damage. 
Mm. So uh, that's another reason we've always told people, you know, to raise up the lawnmower and 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 set out a higher uh, number. But he said, however, if the lawn is growing very well and the homeowners are not stressing the grass with the low mowings, the plants will be better positioned to resist the grub feeding and not show symptoms. Also, ground that was tilled up or disturbed in spring or fall uh, was not not as attractive oh, to the really? female Japanese beetles. So they like the it grubs. when it's more packed, or is that what you're saying? They, yeah, I suppose the roots are larger, oh, don't you think? Sure. And okay. they get in there and they yep. they make their home and they just keep keep eating and eating and eating. So okay. so that does make it sense uh, uh, make sense with that too. So, but a couple of things here. Um, people that continue to water. I've seen uh, sprinklers that are still on. Oh, yes. I have a neighbor who, who I swear sprinkles almost every day. Yeah, this is, you're asking for problems. Right. You really are. And then if you mow and you mow too short because you like that, that's another problem. So uh, don't do that. This is just a little bit of prevention. And there's so many things to do. You don't want to be replacing areas of your lawn because you have the grubs there. And uh, we really want them to die out in the wintertime. You know, they probably won't, but we certainly... Because no, they, they go down deeper. <clears throat> it's kind of like earthworms. They, they, they don't die out because they're going just deeper in the soil. Yes. Same with those invasive jumping worms. They just go down deeper, too. Yeah, so... so Follow those things, and uh, you'll you'll be much happier. But then, when I came in today, Karen, you surprised me with uh, a new invasive plant called the rough potato milkweed. Yeah, you know, it hasn't <coughs> been seen in North America since 1958, and it turned up in central Minnesota. It's called rough potato. It's an invasive type of vining milkweed, which is found in several sites in and near Holdingford, which is in Stearns County. And they found this just this past August. It's native to Eastern Asia, and it has not been seen since 1958. So that really is alarming. Um, and the other thing, I showed you the picture because it's in the milkweed family. Right. And those pods look just <coughs> like the kind you see on your common milkweed, yes, which yes. made me, th and the leaves and everything are different. And it's also vining, uh, but it says that the rough potato this type of vining milkweed is native to several countries in Eastern Asia. Found this summer along the Lake Wobegon Trail in Holdingford in Stearns County. They found 18 infestations in and around the city, ranging from a few vines to a quarter acre. The Minnesota Department of Agriculture said the only previous known occurrence in North America was in 1958 near the Iowa State University campus in Ames. Uh, it was possibly a remnant of a World War II research project. So this is something comparable to some of these other invasives where they start taking over areas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, the flowers of the rough potato, um, it, well, it's an invasive type of vining milkweed. And so it's going to be, if it gets out and about, it, yeah. it, it ruins the habitat for our natives. And then that ruins the habitats for our animals and uh, wildlife and things like that. So uh, if you see it, they say, please report it. That says, if you see a vining milkweed, please report it to the Minnesota Department 
of agriculture's arrest the pest line. Anything you see invasive call arrest yep. the pest line. So another thing, the seed pods, though, of it uh, look just like those ones that I said, like I said, of the yes. native yep. one. And, you know, when they're dry, they explode, they open up, and then you've got all those seeds, and too. And they blow all over. Yes, exactly. And if you're wondering um, how what to compare that to, um, they said katsu. And you know how invasive katsu is. I don't. I don't. <gasps> Oh, Karen. It's Katsu, how do you spell that? Uh, uh, K-U-D-Z-U. Oh, Katsu. okay. I probably Katsu. would say kudzu, but okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm uh, not familiar with it. Uh, well, if you go to the south, it climbs up all over the trees, and it forms a canopy, and it kills them. Strangles everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see a picture. Yeah, I've yeah. looked on the, it, it's just It's like a big wall of vines. Well, it is, and um, and and this does the very same thing. It could become, if it got loose, if it yeah. really, and if you want to know where Stearns, what's the city I think of in Stearns County is St. Cloud. Right, and so, Holdingford is where they they found this, but that gives yeah, you a good we, reference point. Yeah. I was just looking at this kudzu, kudzu you said, yeah. it, and they say that it initially got started because they brought the vine in to for erosion control. So that's the yes. example of the yeah. Asian lady beetle too. Yeah. They brought that into con- control soybean aphids and now they're all over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you see something that's uh, uh, that's vining like that, you know, there's an, another uh, uh, climbing, vining thing that it's maybe less invasive, but it can sure be a pain in the butt. It's the uh, bristly greenbrier, and it um, has uh, um, the vine itself is very um, tough, and it has uh, bristles on it all the way up and along, and it's green. And you'll find that we have that around here. It isn't. Uh, it, it it's a small plant, uh, but it's got a. You should see. And you start digging for the root. It goes underground, and it's got quite a root on does it. Does it have some thorny things on it, too? It does. It oh. is. It's these bristles. And do you remember reading about Peter Rabbit? And he was in, in, in the farmer's uh, briar patch? Yeah, right. Th- this is exactly this is exactly it. Oh. That, see, and you get in there, and, and Peter Rabbit lost his new blue coat. And that, yeah, it's it's prickly like that. Oh. So if, if there is something... In it's new in your yard. Uh, report it. Yeah, right. report it. Check it out, especially if it's growing so vigorously. So um, we want to encourage people to continue to grow milkweed, though. So if it's an upright plant, you're okay. Something that's vining, not so much so. Hey, I wanted to talk to you about garlic because you do a lot, have done garlic for a long time, and yes. a lot of people think garlic you plant in the spring because you do most other vegetables but isn't garlic a fall one it is it is but you know what if you had saved a bunch of your garlic and you didn't use it in the winter time and and as long as it's not uh, soft or are totally uh, petrified sometimes those things happen they get petrified because they haven't been at the right temperature you could plant it in the spring and you'd get a crop too okay but the best deal I mean, you've got so many things to do in the spring, is to plant them out now. So two inches deep, and and we're talking about cloves. We're not talking about the whole bulb. Just the, the little s- ones that you break off, those little yeah, pieces. Yeah, the cloves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, each one of those. And um, two inches deep and four inches apart is what they okay. recommend. 
be, they don't always get that big, but that's if they did get big, they should have that 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 distance there. And so, so one of those little cloves then grows a whole bunch of other little it, cloves and it comes in a big clump then. Yes, it, that's exactly what it does. It just makes it, it's kind of like if you would see a, the flower on a dahlia with all those petals. That's what this does. And the ones that we've been growing are called the hardneck. So you uh, they form around this hardneck and then you can easily break them off when you harvest them. Where the stem is. The, the, yeah, okay. where that stem is. You throw that okay. away or don't throw it away. Put it in your compost pile. There you go. Yeah, and and boy, garlic. Talk about uh, a healthy uh, plant, a healthy thing for your diet. Right. You can include that in, uh, and if you know the, the trick is with that, you peel it, and do um, you know what a rasp is? It's a, in a kind of like a grater. It is, but it, but you get them and they're real small. They're narrow, and you just grate with that, and you'll get it. It's really fine. You mean like a mandolin? I know a mandolin slices it. Yeah, oh, okay. So this I, is... This is... This this grates it up fine. If you think of grating something, you know, if you pulverize it, yeah. you could do the same thing probably with a pest, pestle and mortar. But, okay. But that's very simple. If you get it that consistency and then you put it in something, it disperses all over, oh. and nobody bites into a piece of garlic. <laughs> Which is probably a good thing, because it can be a little bit much. You know, yeah. you were talking about, we're talking about garlic, and that reminds me of storage, because <laughs> that's something you told me earlier you wanted to talk about, was storage, because yeah. we have so many vegetables now, and my pear tree, I, I've wasted, there's so many that just fell on the ground, and the hornets and bees have gotten them, but I'm drying a lot of them in my dehydrator so I've got got all this amazing fruit leather from pears and pears and pears and that's one thing I'm doing because there's there's this cannage jar shortage and yes. lid so that's one way so what are some things we can do for storage now and I've got all these peppers all these tomatoes and things yeah. like that well like with peppers uh, you're only going to be able to store them in your refrigerator for a select time things like that well peppers you can dehydrate as well though well, of course, of course you can. But if you're going to store them, if you want them fresh, you can only store them. Oh, I mean, right. It's, okay. it's not like you find, put them in a refrigerator like an apple sure. and then come back a month later. You can't do that. But so, yeah, dehydrating is always very good. Uh, the main thing is, you know, wash the, you know, wash them, dry them off thoroughly and then take out the stem, take out the seeds. And there's always a skin on the inside a membrane, I should say, and slice them very thin. The thinner you slice them, the faster they'll dry for you. So that's that's a good idea. You can dehydrate. Um, we've done cabbage, and you'd be so amazed. What? So you dehydrate the cabbage in, do you like shred it, or do you yes. have the leaves, or and how do you do it? We, we chop it, and you take, there is a, um, uh, a vein in a cabbage, and and then the leaf forms on either side of that vein, and that hard part you don't try to dry that because that's that's tougher and it gets tougher when you dry it. So cut the leaf away from that um, uh, stem of that that you know the the vein part the vein part. Okay. Yeah, cut. Take, don't. So you cut, don't want the vein part. No, you don't want that. You could chop that up and and you could cook it. And yeah, because you can eat that. That's good. It, yeah, it it is very good. Or maybe you could even shred it and make put add it to salad soups, anything like that. So you can just about anything. You can try dehydrating. Um, 
apples are absolutely great. Tomatoes are absolutely great. And uh, first, we with our tomatoes, when we dry them, we leave the seeds in. Um, we leave the skins on because there's so much nutrition, so many vitamins in the seed are in the um, in the skin. And then when they're dried, they're like chips. Then I put them into the blender and I blend them into a powder. I absolutely love this tomato powder, and and it's easy to store that way. It's it's you just put it in a on a dry. Can shelf. you make it into a paste or anything with that that powder so intense? Well, well, sure you could. You could you could add like olive oil and make a paste mm-hmm. like that. But you know, uh, adding it to uh, if you were making chilies or mm-hmm. or any kind of a. Uh, casserole, a hot dish. Uh, just experiment with that and add, you know, a couple t- tablespoons at a time. You can't imagine how wonderful that flavor is. I make dips with it. I just use oh. that, a couple tablespoons of that, um, just uh, a little smidgen of garlic, a little smidgen of uh, onion and cream cheese. I blend those together. It makes the best dip to go oh, on I bet crackers. you if you put it in some sour cream or something, it'd probably be good, too. Oh, oh yeah, exactly. Sour cream is great, too. Yes, yes. Well, what we did was make a, a sauce of all my tomatoes, so many tomatoes and peppers and onions and things, and, and made a, a spaghetti sauce and f- just froze it. Yes. Because there's so much, it's like, what am I going to do with all this? But yes. that works. So you have a couple of things. We we have jars and jars of, of pickles and relishes and uh, uh, vegetables that we've canned. And then we froze, and the freezer is full. The jars are filled. And well, at least you had jars. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody you know, knows. Yes, and and you know, of course, with jars, don't ever take a shortcut and just use those throwaway jars that you get things in. They are not pressure treated oh, like so. the ball are. Uh, the regular cooking jars. It's really important so you don't get botulism or something terrible. Well, you they'll explode. Oh, okay. You can, you can take, because they most things need a hot water bath or to be pressure cooked. And can you imagine how hot that, that jar must be? And it's not designed for that. So that's that's a really good thing to, to get rid of, too. I've noticed also that um, I have some plants like my Asiatic lilies. The foliage is starting to get brown mm-hmm. on them, and you don't cut that off. You just leave them, and it's uh, wait until we've had a hard frost. Uh, just just leave them there. It's just good for them, and uh, you could leave them up all winter long too. Well, you know that's uh, we were when I had the pollinator 4-H pollinator ambassadors out. We were looking at the lilies, and they have those stalks on them, and they're hollow stalks. So we actually cut the the tops off, so it made it easier, so the bees can go in, and that they use that as a little habitat over to overwinter. So oh, it's sure. a great place for pollinators. Yeah, anything like that. Yes, you know. Also, I just wanted to say if you're seeing some bigger plants that are blooming now uh they could very well be the new england aster yes i have them in pink at my house here and then out on the lake are are out on the um 
uh, up at Good Council. I have purple up there. I've got purple. Mm-hmm. I, uh, there are probably 30 or 40 bees and pollinators yes. in them. They love it. So. And they love the sedum, too. That's a big one. Yes, yes, they do. Absolutely. Well, I wish we could chat more, Barb. We are out of time. but uh, I know. <laughs> it, it, time goes so fast when you're just talking about something you love. But thank you so much. We will talk to you again next week. Until then, happy gardening. Yes, and be sure and get outside and see nature with her paintbrush. Absolutely. Thanks, Barb. Barb Lampson, Master Gardener. It is 10.01. You're listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin. Online at KMSU.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato. Big ideas and real world thinking. Well, as far as weather, more dry and warm weather is forecast for today and tomorrow. Friday will be a little breezy with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour.